Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Jim Privet. We hope you enjoy listening to it. My name's Jim, I'm the pastor here at the church. It's great to be uh, as part of this series, the Advent series that we're finishing off today. Uh, what makes it mulled wine, Andy, is that Doug, our caretaker, has made it. Um, and, uh, and also I think Helen as well, who works in our admin team, has made it. Is that right? Is that correct? Round of applause for you guys. And looking forward to Christmas Day service as well and all the fun uh, stuff we're going to do there. So please get along to that if you can. It'll be good to see you. Uh, I thought because it's panto season, we'll start with a little bit of um, interaction. Is that all right? <laughs> I love this. This is good. This is good. So I'm going to sing a little uh, a line from a song and you've got to sing back the missing word. Are you good with that? Yeah? You in good voice this morning? Uh, <laughs> We'll get there, we'll get there. All right, you ready? All you need is... Da, 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 da. All you need is... Brilliant. Keep going. This is great, awesome. What about... How deep is your... How deep is your... Good, this is awesome. Good. And I... No, only that one, fine, fine. Love, love... What was that? Is that you? Yeah. Just come sing it if you want. It's fine. No. Love is the most sung about topic in the world. Did you know that? You know that? It's the most sung about topic in the world. We love to sing about love. We love to use the word love in all sorts of different environments and contexts as well. I love Arsenal. This is a panto, isn't it? I love Arsenal. I love Portsmouth. Oh. I hate Southampton. I don't hate Southampton, don't hate Southampton. I love my cats. I love roast dinners. I'm looking forward to my Christmas Day roast dinner. Are you as well? Not my roast dinner, your own roast dinner, so you're not coming over. I love my kids. I love, uh, what else do I love? I love a beer occasionally. Uh, I like my dog. (laughs) I love my dog. Sorry, Abby, my wife. I love my dog. I love my pond. And I love my wife as well. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. That's not an order, by the way. That wasn't... So you can have that, put that whatever order you want. I really love fishing, just saying. Anyway, we love to use the word love. But in the poet's words, Hadaway from 1993, what is love? Come on, Hadaway, what is love? Anyone know that song? It's a dance song, so you probably won't know it. But anyway, we've been on this journey of, of Advent, haven't we? The last few weeks. It's been an incredible series of looking at hope, peace, and joy, and today, love as well. And before I do anything else, I just want to say a huge round of applause for Grant for building this incredible Christmas tree, Advent Christmas tree. Did anyone guess what it was on the first week at all? Beth did. I knew Beth would. I thought it was like a little hula skirt or something, but it wasn't. It was fantastic. Really, really good. Well, I have this up every single year, I think. It's too good to, to put away just after this series. It's been a fantastic series. I hope you've been challenged by it. It's been good to listen to Andy the first week uh, on hope, and then uh, Daniel on peace, and then last week, Richard with joy. Brought joy into the house. It's good to work Richard and Verity and the kids. I think it was a fantastic service last week for those of you that are here. If you missed it, please catch it up online. I've never had to follow a standing ovation before, so there's no pressure on today whatsoever. But it was a fantastic service. But our hope hasn't just been that your ears have been tickled this Christmas time. 
Our hope hasn't just been that you've just had a nice Christmassy few weeks leading up to the 25th. Our hope has been that you've been challenged to understand what hope, peace and joy is in new ways. That hope, peace and joy is something that we have in Jesus Christ. That we, something that we bring to the world as well. And that really is what I want to talk about today. That all these words, these three words are rooted. It's just a shame love's not at the bottom. That rooted in love. Hope, peace and joy is rooted in love. And that's been the anticipation, hasn't it, the last few weeks we've been looking for, this arrival of love. So what is love? Is it a feeling? Is it more than a feeling? Come on. Is that Toto more than a feeling? Yeah. Are we awake today? Right. Come on. More than a feeling. Yes, it is. Is it more than an attachment, you know? Is it more than affection? Is it more than intimacy? Is it more than responsibility and commitment? Yes, I believe it is. I believe it is. In the word in 1 John 4, 7 to 8, it says that let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So what is love? God. God is love. It's God's nature. It's who he is. You cannot help but love. This is why you see in Scripture the theme, the meta-narrative, the main theme in Scripture is this love story between God and his creation. Out of love, God created the world. Out of love, God created the human race. Out of love, he created a harmonious way of living with each other and with him. A better way. But out of selfishness, humankind finds itself another way. Out of selfishness, we elevate ourselves. And sometimes I look back at Adam and Eve in Genesis and I think, oh, I would never have done that. <laughs> I'd never have done that. I don't believe you. <laughs> I think we would all have done that. I think we'd all try and find a way to elevate ourselves, to do what we think is right. We do it every single day. We choose to do whatever we want every single day. We find ways to elevate ourselves and eliminate God, which is why in in Scripture you'll see nearly 2,000 years of Old Testament history of God breaking in and intervening at different times because he can't help it. It's who he is. He is love. That's what he is. He is love. You see this foreshadowing in the, in the Old Testament of this kind of crescendo. If you know your, do you know music, many of you? Hopefully you do. Crescendo is kind of the loudest point. It's like a little, it's a little um, sign. If you read music, it's like a, a sign that gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the, like, the loudest point in the song or the loudest point in that particular bar, whatever it might be. And in the Old Testament, you see this foreshadowing of this coming love. One scholar thinks there's 574 different verses of this love that is just growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And, growing and suddenly... It's given birth, isn't it? Jesus is born. Love finally turns up in human form. Because God can't help himself. Because he loves us. Love incarnate. Flesh. Love in flesh. It's crazy, isn't it? When you really think about it. This stuff blows my mind. When God, who is love, becomes this baby. And by doing so, showed us really what hope and peace and joy is all about. Which brings us to our reading today. If you've got your Bibles, um, or whatever you're using, please turn to 1 John 3, verse 16 to 19. Just give you a second to get that. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. 
and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Before I make an observation, I just kind of want to hammer home this nature of love, because this is what's blown me away in the last couple of weeks I prepared for today. That since Genesis to Jesus, from Jesus to present day, and from present day on into the future, God has always been a God who pursues us in love. It's his nature. He can't help it. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He will always pursue us with his love. He'll always pursue his creation with his love. And it doesn't stop just because Jesus came. It actually, the method has changed somewhat. Romans 5, 5 says this, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Do you believe that? God himself, love itself, Love that pursues itself, as in pursues its creation, has been poured out into us. Do you get the momentum here? When you have the love of God in you, you have a love for his world. Not accepting what the world does, but you have a love for his world because the love of God is in you. You can't help but want to love the world. You can't help but want to share with them the truth of God's love for it. We cannot have love. In other words, we cannot have God unless we display that kind of pursuing love that God has poured into us. So we need to reflect our Father's heart and reflect how we love. What does it mean to be and to bring love to this world? And my starting point and the bottom line today is this, that sacrifice is a symptom of God's love. I think it should be up there on the screen. Sacrificial living is a symptom of God's love in us. Verse 16 It said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is how we know what love is. Sacrifice. The Greeks called it a word called agape. You've probably heard it before. The highest form of love. Giving away love. Selfless love. For those of you who know John 3.16, hopefully you know it. The pivot point of scripture in my eyes. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This love, this agape love, this sacrificial love is is just obvious throughout scripture. We have been recipients of that love. If you follow Jesus Christ, you are recipients of hope, peace and joy. You know, there was no hope for us at one stage, was there? Was there? Right? For the wages of sin is death. There was no hope for us. We were going to be cut off from God forever. And yet Jesus came and brought hope, brought us a new life. Life in all its fullness. The wrath of God was satisfied on Jesus Christ, right? So we can have peace for our souls. We didn't have peaceful souls before that. If you're in this building this morning, you're listening online and you think, I don't have peace. It's because your soul is restless. It needs the peace of the Lord. And we have joy. Why? Because we've been set free from our shame and our guilt and our sin, our past lives. And we have freedom in Christ. Don't we? We have freedom in Christ. So that should bring us joy from our soul to our faces, 
to how we live our lives. It's a beautiful position for us to be in. All coming from that love, that sacrificial love. I love how God gave, right? God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. We are given the spirit. The spirit is given to us for what? For us to lay our lives down in order to help us to reflect that sacrificial living. It's a continuation. So often I think we receive the love and it pulls up in us. We keep hold of it. Oh, God loves me. God loves me. It's like, no, no, I'm fighting to get out. That love is needed in the world. This sacrificial love is needed in the world. We just happen to be the vessels filled with the spirit to go and do those things. Ultimately, sacrificial living is a symptom of God's love in us. So, is your daily life punctuated with sacrificial living? I think we have a very interesting perspective when it comes to sacrifice. I think we can view minor inconvenience as sacrifice. Let's talk about your mobile phone for a moment. Hands up if you've got a mobile phone. Put your hands, keep them in the air for about a minute. Don't worry, you'll get the blood back eventually. Uh, If you're in the North Building, keep your hands up in the air. We can grow quite strong attachments to our mobile phones, can't we? Yeah, if you're thinking, not really, think of something that you're attached to. Keep your hand in the air for that instead. If I needed your phone to make a quick phone call, would you lend it to me? Keep your hands in the air. Keep it in the air, come on. (laughs) What if I needed to borrow it for a few hours to get some work done? Yeah. Yeah. How about if my phone was broken for, you, for a whole week and you were going to lend me your phone to do some work from? Oh, that's very kind. It's because you're at church, isn't it? But you couldn't use your spare phone. Oh. You couldn't use your spare phone. It's a, it's a bit of a sacrifice, isn't it? What if a new family moved into church and they needed somewhere to live for six months? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, they can come and live with us. What if it meant that you had to move out of your house for six months to receive them? So they could feel settled, they could find a job. Would you do it? I'm not saying we would do it, by the way, it's just a strong, strong challenge. But this level of sacrifice doesn't even scratch at the surface of sacrifice that Jesus shared with us at all. Philippians 2, 5.11 says, Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. There's a Greek word that they use in there called kenosis. You might have heard of this before. Jesus literally emptied himself of everything that he had, not, his, not what he was, not his divinity, Every heavenly privilege was poured out and emptied by Jesus. He left his throne and was born in a stone manger. Great, every day is a school day. His stone manger. He set aside glorious unity, didn't he, with with the heavenly father, our heavenly father and the spirit to take on flesh. He refrained from using his divinity to get out of the situations, even on the point of cro- death at the cross. He gave himself up. He gave all of that up. He gave you everything so that we could have everything. We could have all hope, all peace, all joy. God's love for us wasn't a minor inconvenience. He laid down everything that he had for you and I 
This is a worshipful moment, by the way. <laughs> when I'm reminded of this stuff, I, it blows my mind. And what are we called to do in verse 17? We are called to lay down our lives. We're thinking, oh, I can't do that. I couldn't be that sacrificial. I get it. It's difficult. It is difficult. So how do we do it? John gives two clear applications for how we can lay down our lives and the impact that that can have on other people. The first is material possessions. And as I was thinking about this last night, I was thinking of all the times to talk about material possessions, Christmas might not be the best time. On Christmas Day, how many of us will receive things that ultimately, please hear this the right way, we probably don't really need. Thank you for putting your hand up. I will. <laughs> Sorry. And there are many people out there that won't get anything while they on Christmas Day. And it's great. And it's great to be generous and it's great to be loving and it's kind. And I know it comes from a great and a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. But many of us will receive things that we don't really need. Do, do we? Sorry, I love Christmas, by the way. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that, but we don't really need it, some of the stuff that we get. John talks about this. Do you really need it? If you've got what you need, another John, John the Baptist in Luke 2 says, if you've got two shirts, give one to someone who hasn't got any, doesn't he? Because you've got what you need. You've only got one back. <laughs> you need one shirt. So someone else has got nothing. Give them something. I think he attacks material possession in a way because also material possessions can become things that um, can own us. We possess them for a while, but eventually, as we just put our hands up with our phones, they can end up possessing us, can't they? The things we own, do we own them or do, do they own us? And one way to check that, by the way, is if um, you're not too sure, if they were taken from you, would you struggle? If they were taken from you, would you get angry? Would you be anxious? Would you perhaps even think, oh, I can't live if I don't have this stuff, if I don't have these things in my life? Perhaps it is money. You know, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Because money can afford us so much freedom, can't it? And we become so dependent on money for hobbies and holidays and houses and other things as well. You know, it, it gives us our life. Isn't it? So suddenly, subconsciously, money, even though we don't worship money, it, the things that it affords us, we, we, we kind of do. Um, maybe without realizing it. Abby and I learned a really uh, incredible lesson, a joy filled lesson about nine years ago. We, we, were, we were younger then, <laughs> uh, our kids were younger then, and uh, we'd been renting for a while, and we, we hadn't really got on the property market ladder at all. And um, We've been praying, what's our next step as a family, as, a young, as kids were younger then, what's our next step for us, moving into a slightly bigger place. Uh, Abby wanted a garden as well, uh, which is always a privilege to have. And uh, we found this house, and we prayed about it, and we thought, this is, this is what God wants for us. Um, and then we went, I think we went and viewed it. The house had taken off the market for a while, and we were a bit confused what's going on. We thought we had the right money, and um, as it got closer and closer, it, we realized that we were a little bit short, quite a bit short, actually. And um, I think it was a conversation that Abby had with, with her dad. And uh, her dad 
really unbeknownst to us at the time, had, had agreed in his own mind to set aside a certain sum of money, a significant amount of money for each of his children for when they got on the property ladder. Um, I won't say how much, but a, a significant amount of money. And um, when he rang us to say, you know, well, actually, I've set aside this money for you for when you first moved in, he also happened to add <laughs> that one of your siblings has said um, that they have all that they need um, and they were praying, and they felt like that you two needed it more than them. Right? And I know, I, I know that I, li- I live a privileged life, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that to blow my own trumpet or whatever. Please hear that with the right heart. But that, that money would have made a, a significant difference to Abby's sibling, wouldn't it? It's, it's a sizable amount of money. It enabled us to go from a, pl- a place of not sure what God's wanting for us, where do we look next, we would look further afield, you know, not a very peaceful time for us as a family to a place of peace and joy again. And also, it dislodged any, uh, I guess, reliance that they had on money. I'm confident they would have been sat there praying about it and thinking this money could mean a lot to us if we take it for ourselves. And there's been times in our life, me and Abby, where we've thought the same thing. This money could, could mean a lot to us if we take it for ourselves. But there might be other people out there that need this money more than we really need it. And um, that's my, one of my challenges to you this morning. Is there things that you've got in your life, possessions, might be money that you think, yeah, it's great to have it, but actually there are people out there that need it a lot more than, than we do at the moment. I think what you do with your money and your possessions is a real sign of the sacrificial understanding of the heart that you've been given by Jesus. Because he gave you so much He gave you so much. The second is in verse 18. And it says, um, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. There's an old English proverb, you'll know it, that actions speak louder than words. And it was first penned in in 1600s. And the intention behind that proverb was that someone becomes exposed if they don't follow up with action what they've said with their mouth. Really, that's the reason it was first penned. Ultimately, your actions, when it comes to others, exposes your heart. Can you imagine if Jesus, when he had spoken to his disciples to inform them that he was going to die, predicting his death, and then the Garden of Gethsemane was in this anguish, and then the next day he just went, actually, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. He, he did do it. He did do it. He followed up his words with action, because he is love, sacrificial love himself. It drew him, it pushed him towards the cross. James 2 tells us that faith without action is dead. Faith without action is dead. When I read this, I'm challenged. Hopefully when you read it and you hear it, you're challenged. We can say we believe in Jesus, that we love him, and we're called to love the world. But until we actually start showing that we love the world, then it's all just hot air. (laughs) It's all just words. And it's only bringing Jesus to the world that will change it, by the way. As people learning to live and love like Jesus, our actions become a sign, I believe, of our salvation. When we truly know what Jesus has given to us, we'll truly want the world to understand it for them, for themselves. In the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians, Paul highlights, um, you know this if you've been to weddings, many sacrificial um, actions of love 
Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it is not proud, it isn't rude, it isn't self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong, it does not delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth, it protects, trusts, hopes and perseveres. That love word again, love, agape, sacrificial, right? This is a list of things that don't come naturally for us. That's why it's sacrificial. All these things are difficult. I had, a, I'd say it, I had a massive argument with my, my wife, Abby, this week. <laughs> okay, be real. And it's my fault. I wasn't patient enough. I wasn't kind enough. And yet this, when I read this again after the massive argument, hit me to my stomach. <laughs> right? God, Jesus was patient with me. Jesus was kind to me. He was patient whilst I was still sinning and doing my own thing. Wasn't he? So real love, agape love, is saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, f- I forgive that, I forget that, I move on. Isaiah 43, I'll not remember your sins anymore, if you know that verse. This sort of love changes things, because <laughs> it's not about us, it's not about how we feel, it's about what we've received and what we're prepared to put into action in our own lives and into the lives of others. It keeps no records of wrong. How often do we walk around with a mental checklist of things? People that have hurt us, things that have happened, frustrations, disappointments, bitterness. Am I, am I the only one? We all do it. We all do it. And yet I will not remember your sins. I'll remember them no more. I'll choose to forget them. That's what real love looks like. It always perseveres. It always asks other people, how are you? I get asked all the time, oh, I know you're busy, Jim, but could I just chat? And I'm like, this is my job, to sit with you and chat, right? To give you time. I could, e- I could easily say to people, I don't have the time. It's a, sac- it's a choice. I want to give you this time because Jesus gave me the time. He gave me the energy and the love and the listening and the patience and the kindness. Sacrificial acts of love celebrates others. It delights in others. It's a love that keeps us from being selfish and keeps us being selfless all the time. It's a love where, I think, we we sit with people that don't have the same morality as us, the same views as us, the same principles and values as us, but we still say, we love you. And I want to listen to your viewpoint. I want to understand where you're coming from. I want to display love to you. I don't want to just know that I'm called to love you, but I don't want to get engaged with those sort of people. Jesus went to the cross for those sort of people. How embarrassing it is sometimes as Christians that we don't want to engage in conversations and arguments and and all sorts of other things because we just don't agree with what they do. That's where Jesus would be at, listening. Not necessarily agreeing or accepting, but listening and loving, sitting down, being patient. I want to say amen. (laughs) Amen? He'd be on those places. That's sacrificial love. You could go in and Bible bash and everything else and quote this left, right, and say, what's that going to do? What's that going to do? Our loving actions have the power to produce the fruit of love in the lives of others, and they actually bring worship to God at the same time. God knows us by our fruit. Matthew 7, by your fruit you will be known. A disciple rooted in Christ's love produces the fruit of love, I believe. 
I've had the, um, I guess it's a sad privilege, I suppose, of attending numbers of funerals and hearing lots of eulogies and uh, speeches, you know, at someone's funeral. And sometimes you hear incredible stories of people's lives that have been punctuated with achievements and amazing things, and they've done this and they've done that, great adventures and memories and relationships and trophies and qualifications, and they've had this influence and people have known them. And it's, they, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's exciting to hear those things. Wow, weren't they an incredible person? But the ones that really speak to me are the ones where it's story after story of how kind they were, of how hospitable they were, of how caring or how loving they were, how patient they were, how hope-filled they were, despite their circumstances, how peace-filled and how joy-filled they were. Um, We have an older couple in our church, Viv and Maggie. Um, Many of you will know them. If you don't, get to know them. Get to hear their stories. And an Oasis, which is a seniors ministry, a few months ago, I sat there, and Viv and Maggie were at the front. It was the last time leading it, and they were sat there with flowers and other stuff that they'd got. And uh, people just kept talking about how lovely they were. <laughs> Their testimonies was how oh, you opened my home for this person. They opened the home for this person. They did this. They did this. They did that. They did this. And you can't just go, oh, that's just because they're just those sort of people. No way. That stuff wasn't easy for them. It was a sacrifice for them. This stuff isn't easy for us to do. That's the point. <laughs> we lay ourselves aside and we love like Jesus loved. Being patient, being kind, being hope-filled is, is sacrificial for us because it doesn't come naturally for us. But it reflects the sort of love that we have in our heart. Those are the sorts of fruits, by the way, that other people get to taste as well. They're everlasting fruits because they bring people into the presence of God when you're being sacrificial, when you're being hope-filled, when you're being patient, you're being kind, when you're being loving. They bring other people into that presence of God. So what do people say about you? (laughs) I often think about this. What would people say about you? Hardworking, consistent, I'm not saying this about myself, by the way, (laughs) committed, uh, serious, creative, all lovely things. But is that it? Perhaps you need to ask someone, you know, if I wasn't here, what would you say about me? What are those attributes that you see in me? What fruits do you see I produce? I often think it's good to actually have those conversations regularly with people. Because we all have our blind spots, don't we? And they can become pride spots pretty quickly unless you have people that are going to tell you the truth in your life. So if you, like me, struggle with this stuff sometimes, and I do struggle with it, I'm not an expert, I just happen to be on the platform with a microphone, then the thing to do is not just to try harder. The thing that I've learned over time is to pursue the love that pursued us. To go back to the source of sacrificial love. If you really sat there thinking, this is not who I am, that's all right, because most of us aren't like that. This is why Jesus died, so that we could be like that. John 15, abide, isn't it? It's all about abide. No branch, no branch. You and I, we cannot produce fruit by itself. We must remain in the vine. We must remain in Jesus. Because it's him that can produce that fruit. A branch that is cut off from nourishment cannot produce anything. So I do want to ask a personal challenge. How are you doing walking with Jesus right now? How are you doing walking with Jesus right now? Are you pursuing the spirit of Christ? Are you walking with the spirit? Are you dwelling in the word of God? 
You're allowing the word of God to shape your mind, to transform your mind, to challenge your mind, to, to, to nestle in your, in your stomach, in your heart, and not just be something that you know about. How are you doing at worshipping God? I hear many people say, I don't really like the music bit before the talky bit. <laughs> it's a bit, I don't know, I don't like it. I don't like the style. I get that. I don't like the, the loudness, the quietness, whatever it is. I get that. But Jesus is way bigger than all that stuff. Really, it really is. And that's not a dig at anyone at all. And I have to, sometimes I have to challenge myself on this when I'm singing a song that isn't my preferred thing. I want it more upbeat. I want it more quiet sometimes. I want it a bit more reflective. Sometimes I feel like God going, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I died for, Jim, <laughs> for your preferences. All right? How are you doing at worshiping Jesus? How are you doing at praying? These are things that keep us. We're in the vine, don't get me wrong, right? If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. But these are things that enable us to really walk with Jesus, to reflect Jesus. How are you doing at praying? Does prayer become relegated to something that you might do after the service if your week's been really bad? Prayer is the oil in the engine. It should be a, a, a thing. Just be a, it should be a constant conversation. My friend taught me years ago, um, and only by, I just, osmosis, I suppose, I was sat there praying with, with him, and he just went, and so, and so Jesus I was like, hang on, have I missed something? For him, it was just a continued con- conversation in his mind. And so Jesus. There was no full stops to this conversation with God. His daily life was just this, a conversation. Really simple language. Praising God when things went well. Going to God when things weren't going well. Bringing others into prayer all the time. How's your prayer life? It's the oil in your relationship. It's a privilege that we've received as well. The moon only reflects the sun's light. I've written here. That means something. What does it mean? The moon doesn't have any lights of, of its own. We don't have any light of our own. We, we, we need to reflect more what Jesus is like in order to bring the sacrificial light, love to the world coming into land. Jesus' arrival 2,000 years ago was like a stamp, an autograph at the bottom of an amazing love letter given to us. As we approach Christmas, I want us to realize that love isn't just a festive feeling. It's more than a feeling. Love is your identity. It is your identity. It's who you are because of who Christ is. You are raised with Christ, Scripture says. To walk with Christ, to walk in that identity of love, to leave other stamps on people's lives, a trademark of sacrificial love, to bring hope, peace and joy as you do so. And Christmas affords us a brilliant opportunity, doesn't it, to be a little bit kinder. Everyone's kinder at Christmas. Everyone's more forgiving at Christmas. Can I just challenge you to use this um, next week or so to, to create a new habit in your life? Where can I be more sacrificial in my possessions, in my money, with my time, with my energy, with my thinking? It will cost you something. It may cost you the things I just said. It may mean that you finally speak to that person and share the gospel with that person. It might mean that you stop judging a group of people, starting to get to understand them. It might mean that you open your home up this Christmas. I'm going to say this. Next year, I'd love to do something on Christmas Day for people that are lonely, by the way, as a church. <laughs> Sorry, I said that out loud now. I've got to keep my word. <laughs> if you want to get involved in that, it would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, I'll shut up now. I think that's all that God wants to say. <laughs> um, yeah. Sacrificial love. We will never be able to be like Jesus. 
okay? But we can echo and express elements of our walk with Jesus uh, with each other, but also with the world. And actually, the world needs that love that pursues it. God has looked to you and I, said, I pursued you with Jesus. Now go pursue the world with the same message through you, through the power of the Spirit. I'm going to pray two prayers. One prayer is for those of you that perhaps don't know Jesus, and you're thinking, what is this love that has pursued me? I want to know more about it. And another prayer for the, for the rest of us. And um, first of all, I'm going to give you just a minute to be quiet, to bow your heads, and to think about what it would look like, a sacrifice of love this Christmas. A sacrifice of love towards someone else. Perhaps you, have a, perhaps you already have a face in mind, a person in mind, or a situation in mind. Just bring them before God. Lord, we start with just a huge thank you. A huge thank you. Thank you that you gave up your heavenly privileges to come to earth for me, for us, for the world. That you poured out yourself on the cross. Lord, I just pray for those in this room right now, those online, those in the room next door that don't know you. Holy Spirit, just speak to them. If that is you right now and you don't know Jesus, you've never fully accepted him as your Lord, as your Savior, as your King, as your friend. I'm just going to pray a a very short prayer. You might want to follow me in your heart. Dear Lord, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you gave yourself for me so that I can know peace, I can know hope, and I can know joy. Thank you that you took yourself to the cross and you put yourself in a place where I should have been because of my sin and you dealt with my sin on the cross. You brought me new life. I accept that life now, Jesus Christ. I choose to turn away from things that I have done, that I'm living like, and I choose to follow you I choose to be energized by the love that you have for me. I choose to, to let you be the leader of my life, the Lord of my heart. Holy Spirit, dwell in me, fill me, lead me in the way of love. Amen.
And Lord, for the rest of us, we come to you. And we know that this is serious. It's important. It's big. Forgive us for the times that we perhaps have not chosen the way of love. We've chosen ourselves. We've chosen our own selfish desires. Thank you, Lord, that you never hold that against us. You never hold that against us. You look at us. You delight in us. You love us. But Lord, help us to walk closer with you. Help us to reflect you better. Help us to make choices that display sacrificial love to this world. A world that needs your love. A world that needs hope, peace and joy. Particularly at this time. Challenge me. Challenge us. This afternoon, tomorrow, when we go back to our normal rhythms of life, Holy Spirit, just impress on us the truth of your word today. Let it not just be something that we hear, but it's something that we do as followers of you, Jesus Christ. In your name. Amen. Hello, and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Jim Privett. We hope you enjoy listening to it.